You're listening to the Thoroughbred Podcast, an elite business leadership podcast. Hey guys, John Wentworth here, Thoroughbred Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please continue to like, comment, and share. And today I'm very excited to share with you uh, one of the friends that I've made. Um, and I wish I could say he's in my hometown state. It'll someday be my hometown state probably. But uh, I met this gentleman through coaching in the Tom Ferry Network, uh, which incidentally enough, I've got three of these with me because we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but I want to welcome from Louisville, Kentucky, Mr. Jay Pitts. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. You got it, brother, man. Thank you. What's up with you? Dude, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited uh, to have this conversation, man. You, you, uh, you bring such energy to this. I'm a good, I'm, I'm a Maybe. listener for sure. So I'm, <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored to be on this show. Well, I appreciate you, you taking the time to be on our show. I certainly enjoyed, you know, I was actually on Jay's show and I was able to do it in, in house, if you will, in Louisville, because I was in town for a wedding and that was a lot of fun. So thank you for that. That was awesome. Absolutely. And then it you was, got, it was great. Then you got people flying out after that. Dustin came out, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was, I was fortunate enough to have Joe LaCicero and Dustin Oldfather uh, here in Louisville. I uh, got to show them around the city a little bit. We got to mastermind a little bit for about 48 hours. So it was yeah, good I, didn't, stuff. I didn't get that invite. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't orchestrate. We need to talk to Mr. Oldfather about I'm that. Playing, bro. So, I'm playing. Well, let's just jump right in. I mean, tell us a little bit about your business. You know, obviously you run a Remax brokerage in, in Louisville, uh, family-owned business. Uh, I know that you had your father on the show, which I think is totally cool. So I'll just let you uh, lead that. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about you and, uh, and what you're doing, brother. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, second-generation real estate practitioner. Uh, my father, who you said was, I was lucky enough to have on my show the week before Father's Day. So it actually released just before Father's Day. Uh, honestly, that wasn't planned. I, I, I would love to take credit for being that smart, but for whatever reason, <laughs> it did not even occur to me, but neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so, so I grew up in a small town in Kentucky, about an hour south of Louisville, uh, where real estate people do everything. We were builders, auctioneers, brokers, property managers owned apartments, you know, built houses, everything. So uh, that was the environment I grew up in. And I kind of always knew I wanted to be in or around real estate. I, I came to Louisville, the big city in Kentucky, and went to college here to play baseball. Uh, my brother, who's also a business partner of mine, did the same. Let me jump in right and, there because one yeah. of the things that I'm starting to notice as we build our, our business and our team and our brand is that Athletes definitely bring something to the table uh, in yeah. real estate, and I think it's you know whether it's work ethic or just you know that grind. I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you share with that um, you know, with us on your thoughts on that as we get in deeper. But go ahead. No, absolutely. I think there's something to that. I, when I when I recruit, I like people that excelled at something. You know, at the highest levels. You know. Uh, sports, intercollegiate athletics, or professional athletics especially, um, it just requires more of a person yeah. than most people are ever used to giving. Um, it, could be, it could be, you know, someone, you know, was an orchestra performer or, you know, performed at the highest level at, a, at some sort of other. Do it at a high level. 
it's just excellence. That's yeah. what it is. You know, I've got a guy here and, and I'm, I don't mean to bunny trail, but I've got an agent that's been with me since February. He has, he has closed 12 transactions and pended about 12 more transactions since February, new to the industry. Okay. And he was, he was a bass guitarist on a uh, top 40 country, Southern country rock band. Nice. And he traveled, he traveled the country opening up for Jason Aldean. Uh, it was the John... still awesome. Okay. Well, Jason Aldean's like a top 40 country number one hit kind of guy. And, and anyway, this, this did, no matter what it was, even the bass guitar, he did it at a high level. He did it at a high level and he just took that intensity and focus and, and, you know, moved it and applied it to something different. That's what athletes seem to do. Yes. Um, and, and athletes specifically, one thing that I, I've noticed in athletes, I've hired a lot of them. Um, and I think they excel because they're ready to compete. They're, they're used to competing. We, they're used to not always winning. We just in our last meeting really talked about what's your competition number. Like if you put a number on what you're doing daily, one to 10, how hard are you really competing? You know, yeah. and I think that too often, well, I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about today is, you know, uh, new agents coming into the market. We're getting flooded with new agents. It's really funny because, you know, I took my broker class a couple of weeks ago and the gal sitting next to me was there for her real estate license. And she said, you know, everybody's getting the real estate license and everybody says that it's so easy. But one of the things that concerns me, and I'm just talking about math, is that there's more and more agents, but there's less and less inventory. And it was just so interesting to hear that coming from somebody that's not even licensed. I thought it was very smart that she was kind of, yeah. we're headed towards less and less inventory. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I think that's really powerful. Um, I, I did, I, I ran some numbers here in our market and I, pardon me for a moment. And I'll say like, I came up with what I felt like the minimum amount of money an agent would need to make to stay in the business full time. Right. And, and I, I'm not going to quote numbers because I'm just going to give you the gist of it. But what I figured out was you take that amount of money and you subtract one or two transactions from it and you're forcing multiple agents out of the business. So I, I told I coach my team that for every one or two transactions you get over and above your current market share, you're driving a member of your competition out of the business or right. two members. And so it's working against that trend, less inventory more agents the bottom of the marketplace is very very broad yeah right you and i and our businesses we're up here right um but it just shows how steep that climb is to get from brand new with nothing built to the point where you can lead the industry well no you doubt know? one of the things that we always talk about i kind of kid around you know because in a team environment you know which we are solely a team brokerage although now we're starting to talk about doing some you know having some independent agents as well to build the brand to build the brokerage but you know that ironically when you really look at the numbers uh, what stops somebody from the team model is the split but yeah the split has so little to do with it when you're providing so much and you know i look inside of those numbers and i know that people will choose indie over the team and they'll start to struggle because it's just too difficult anymore, unless you're already established perhaps. But even then, when I look at the numbers on some of the people on the team, I mean, you know, I just, real estate is not easy. 
And I think there's too much thought and too much talk right now of, oh my gosh, the market's so strong, so real estate is easy, but we still have the highest failure rate of probably any business that I know of. I mean, what are we at, like 87% our industry? Yeah, I mean, over five, over five years, I think NAR says 97% over five years. So not, not going to last five years. Yeah, yeah, 97% of agents new to the industry don't last five years. Yeah. And then it's you look pretty, at it's pretty staggering. where almost, you know, 97% of them do. Absolutely. That's crazy. Well, you tell us a little bit about your setup because you, you have, um, you have your Remax brokerage. And so mm -hmm. how do you run that? Um, what are the people that you look for when you're recruiting other than uh, division one or professional athletes? Um, and, and what does that environment look like for somebody that wanted to join your brokerage? Because you've got the brokerage sure. and the team, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off as a team. Um, the reason I, I created a brokerage was I had groomed several agents from out of the, from, from brand new to the industry to 40, 50, 60 transactions per year. And I knew, um, I knew that they were at some point going to have the appetite that they needed to move on. Right. So whether I had a franchise or, or an independent brokerage, I needed to have a brokerage because if not, I had no longevity. Right. I had no exit plan, um, from my team. So I started the brokerage. Uh, we retained almost all of the agents on the team. When we started the brokerage, a few decided to test the waters and do some other things. But my team has always been the central, since the brokerage outset, has been the central you know, force within the brokerage. Right. Right. Now, I have about 40 agents now, and I have about 15 on my team. So total so, 15 on the team. Exactly. So okay. we're just under 50% of the brokerage. Okay. Um, a good portion of the agents that are independent of the team, but within the brokerage are agents that um, were with me before on the team at some point right. and have graduated out yeah. or um, agents that just really respect the model or respect what we do and the value we provide as a brokerage. And they've come on for that reason. Sure. Um, you know, what does that look like? It's a high split concept and a fixed cost concept. So basically we give we, we take very little, we take a fixed amount for a producer that doesn't do a ton of business. It may not be very enticing. Um, but for somebody who does a lot of business, it's extremely enticing. It's a lot in your market volume wise. Well, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I'd say the, where it starts to make sense to go on an independent agent program with us is about seven, 8 million a year. Right. Um, where it starts to make sense. I mean, right. it really makes sense at the 12 to $15 million. Sure. sure. Um, you know, you could go find, well, because those agents, John, th those agents are doing a lot of business. They're spread very thin. They may not be very well supported. They're really good agents. They're not necessarily good business people. Well, and what they, that, that's always the, the thing. I mean, we just had this conversation with, with our coaches that, you know, when you start to take away all the layers of the support behind the team, you know, and when we look at the at growing this brokerage side of it, it's almost like, okay, even with that in place, we still need to provide the support, you know, the yeah. professional photos so that there's consistency in the brand and the, the, the transaction coordination and all of that stuff. So that there's consistency in the product or, or the consumer yeah. experience, if you will. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that, that's absolutely correct. I mean, I've had, I have agents on my team that will do, you know, near $10 million in production on my team, but they don't leave the team even for the brokerage because of the support. Right. And the agents that are 
that are 12 to 15 million a year that are great agents and not great business people. Well, they came here or they stayed here to model their businesses after the things that I've done. Do you have like, any growing teams underneath your? I do. I have a few, I have a few small teams, no one anywhere near our size, of course, but um, I have teams of three, four, five, um, a couple, a handful. Um, this is like totally turned into like, okay, how do we model off each other? <laughs> no, hey, dude, you know, that's fine that's with me because I'll be honest, I've made probably all the mistakes. Well, maybe not all of them, but near all of them. Um, and, you know, you just learn and you mastermind and you, you know, share experience. That's what, that's what, that's, that's what the beauty of coaching and the, you know, ecosystems that we're a member of. That's the beauty of those. That's the real value of that. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, it's funny because, and so that's how Jay and I met, as I said in the opener, you know, through, through a coaching network. Uh, but what I always find really interesting about that is yeah, there's, you know, hundreds of people and two, three, four kind of all gravitate towards each other. And it always happens that way. And I think that's really cool, you know, because you develop these relationships that are, that are beyond just, just real estate. And, you know, what can I learn from you? What can I learn from you? What can I learn from you? And I'm always very drawn to just good, wholesome people right yeah i agree we've talked about before the broker model is broken and maybe i say that a little bit too broad because you're like well i'm a broker dude and so am i now um but in the when i say that the essence of that is that hurry up and get your license we've got an office for you go and they don't yep. the, the training the mentorship um because the support once you have a pending deal doesn't even matter if you don't get a pending deal and so how in your business um, have you built that a little bit differently to provide the additional value to whether it's a new agent or, or a seasoned agent that's doing 12 million? Why do they say, man, I got to give Jay Pitts a call? So I'm glad you asked that because, you know, what I've, what I've had to do, you know, I got a lot of irons in the fire. I'm like you. I mean, we got a lot going on. Um, you, you, your most valuable commodity is time. Yep. So what I, what I look to do is I look to layer and um, kind of cooperate, you know, or co-op. Everything that requires my time, I try to make it collaborative and cooperative. So, for example, um, I have a team meeting every Monday. Um, there's always a little bit of training baked into the team meeting. Right. Um, I do a brokerage-wide group training session, a roundtable tra round training session every Friday. My team is present at the table at the table for that that training session but so are the other agents of the brokerage now here here's what's so valuable for me on that the agents on my team who started in february get to hear from the 12 to 15 million dollar producer in a roundtable setting not just me right okay but so does the 12 to 15 million dollar producer they get to they get to ask their questions and the lesser experienced people get to help get to hear me help solve those problems as well right so there's tons of scale and it's just, it's been, it's worked very, very well for us. But honestly, dude, I just don't have much more time than that to devote. So I grab everybody and I pull them in and I say, look, here's what we're going to do. And they have really, really responded to it. Are you still selling at all? I am. Okay. <laughs> yeah. More, more than anybody here. <laughs> I know and that's, that's always the thing, right? Because it's like, I mean, I did 103 deals last year and, you know, handed many of them off to people on the team and it's still our biggest profit. Yeah. So it's tough to weigh all of that. And, and one of the difficulties I do think in building a team is they, the, the agents get too dependent, not because they're greedy and not because they want to be. It's just that it's, 
it's, there's so much opportunity that, that they forget to market themselves. They forget the importance yeah. of you know, being on Facebook and, and social proofing themselves, uh, which we could go into all kinds of stuff in regards to that. But I think that that's kind of what maybe is interesting about uh, you know blending the two models or, or having both of those models exist in the same space is people might bounce back and forth. Do you get people that started indie that joined the team? So I, I haven't been there yet. Um, I've had a few people mention it and what ends up happening is the indie agent who's, you know, production may not be quite what they had hoped and they see the gap that has, cause, cause everything is out there, man. Like everything I do is very transparent to the indie agents. Even I give them the playbook. All they got to do is run the play. But and they, so, so many people won't, right? They won't, they won't, but see that, but, the, but what they do is they recognize what's required of them and they're not when they figure out, they're not willing to do it to take that leap. Then they start saying, Hey, you know what? That 50% doesn't sound so bad when I, when I, when I consider everything I would have to spend to get what the results that you get, you know, you and I have just built a better mousetrap, right? We've, we've taken a system and we've scaled it over a number of transactions. Well, do you find too that, uh, and this is what we, we've seen, is as we started to grow this team, we were very, as we added agents, they were buyer agents only for at least three years. And then yeah. they would transition into listing. But when, when the team starts to build really quickly, they, you know, the newer agents or people that have been there a year or two, they're all looking at, well, the top producers are listers. So that means if I want to make more money, I should list. But the truth is for the, for the people that got there and, and our team, they made they never made more money as when they were just simply focused on buyers. The listings yeah. just provide them a little more freedom, a little more time. Yeah. I, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I can, I can tell you my personal experience. I used to restrict. Um, I, it didn't work for us. Um, I, I tell you what it did. Here's what it did. And, and I guess it did in this aspect, it worked for us. I identified my two best agents. Right. by requiring that they that they sell only so dude I, I went a step farther than that i had i required my team for a period of time about three years they had a new agent to the team had to be an isa only at ten dollars an hour for six months Ooh, that's brutal <laughs> so and then <laughs> after three and and then they went from being an isa to being a buyer only agent until they closed 30 transaction sides and so so then they could list. Well, that, those restrictions, let me tell you, pressure makes pearls. Like that produced my best two agents. Sure. A and bunch of. And that's where we're at right now. Our best three came from that system. Exactly. But what I figured was, right. there's only so many of those people. Right. And what you have to, you know, and I think, I think something that you and I probably learned is, that, that B player, that chunky middle, that whatever you want to call it, right? Like you got to get okay being profitable with the 20 deal a year agents. Sure. Right. Not everybody's going to do 40, 50, right? Not everybody, and you don't want the ones that are doing six to eight, right? right? But the 20 to 24 to 30 deal a year agents really make sense in my model. So what I had to figure out was I took those two top tier agents and I made them leaders. And I said, look, you put, you put in the time and here's the benefits you get from it. Okay. You're going to, you're going to lead this group. And then I went out and I hired my B players Gotcha. Um, with the idea that at some point somebody else will differentiate themselves and they will get elevated move forward as A's. Exactly. Some of the B's will drop off. <laughs> exactly. And the A, one of the A's may go out on their own. Sure. 
under my brokerage and I'm fully expectant that that will happen one day. But the truth is, is I'm building my bench pretty deep. The feeder system, right? I mean, it's just like you said. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, I, I, for me, it was always playing hockey. And, you know, the coaches would try to keep a kid at double A rather than, you know, training them to get better to go to triple A. And I'm like, well, that's the whole purpose is to get the kid good enough to go to triple A. Why do you want to yeah, spike? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. How are you seeing, you're speaking to a lot of different people, you know, across the nation on a lot of different levels. What are some of the things that you're feeling like are coming down the pipe that are going to start coming to fruition? Uh, for example, for us, I'm starting to notice that our market's softening a little bit. You know, over the last month, all of a sudden I've noticed this and, and I had to be really diligent about, you know, let's get on these homes that are sitting and start making price reductions and, and pretty sizable ones. And then they started to move again. What are you yeah. starting to see? What are you hearing? Um, what's something that, you know, maybe you've heard over the last month or two months interviewing people that you went, oh, I need to take note of that and so should our audience. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I, I'm seeing the same thing here. I'm seeing a little bit of softening at certain price points. Um, I think the, we have, our market is flooded with agents that are at that subsistence level or slightly below. Um, I think a, a very soft, a little bit of softening we can, I think will benefit us sure. personally. Um, I think when you eliminate the bottom tier, it frees up a lot of transactions to be done by, you know, the top tier agents. Right. Um, what I'm telling my team is, is you have to focus on listing inventory and the way we're going after listing inventory over the next six months is we're targeting, um, we're targeting for sale by owners because we believe that the fast moving market has enticed people to go for sale by owner. And what they'll find out is, the is that really has slowed down. <laughs> the market is slowing yeah. down and the so intensity the task at what they think is the right time but it's actually leaning into the wrong time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's not, you know, ideal anyway for them to take on the level of task work that a top agent can take on in order to, to get the highest, highest price for the piece of property. But the funniest thing to me about that is they're trying to save, they think they're saving 6%. In most cases, they, they're maybe deducting 3% because the realtor brings them the buyer anyway. And Correct. then it's uh, trying to say, okay, the value of that 3%, I mean, you're jumping over a dime to save a nickel, I think every time. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, our average price point in our market is 200,000. That's a rather small price. But, you know, the thing that I say, and rather bluntly to for sale by owners in a lot of cases, like just what you said, you're going to pay 3% to a buyer's agent, right? Yes. Fantastic. So you're going to sell it on average at 200,000. 3% of that is going to, going to basically be $6,000. What do you think the odds are that I can get you $6,000 more? Yeah. It's very simple. Like, and you don't have to do anything. Right. Your effort is, you know, is, is yeah. worth something. So anyway, to answer your question, that's what we're focusing on. Fizbos that are going to be frustrated and ready to list. Okay. We're also starting to consider going back towards expires and putting some um, expired listings and put some additional effort and educate the consumer on why their home didn't sell the first time. Um, focusing on listing inventory because that's what happens, John, when, when the market softens and the agents flee the business because of the softening, the agent with the inventory is the one that excels. Okay. 
um, the seller who's hired the best agent is the one that excels. So, so, so it's absolutely where I think the next six months is, you know, if you want to talk macro, like long-term, right. um, I'm, a, I'm all, I'm eyeballing the next slowdown. I'm building my investment portfolio, my business. Um, you know, you know that I have a property management company here. This is, when, this is when you know you're doing really well is when I go to Google your name and I put in Jay Pitts and it says is worth how much. <laughs> that didn't happen by the way. It didn't happen, but some, oh, so I'm not, so I'm not there yet. Oh, man. But when I did it with Cassius Smith, the very first thing it said was, um, is worth how much? I'm like, holy cow. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> I, need to, I, need to, I need to, you know, work on the algorithm there. Maybe if I type that in and press like enter. Like $4,000 a day, you might get that. Yeah, I might get there. No, I mean, long term, we're building our investment business, man. I mean, I'm paying. I'm, I'm, I'm buying rental houses. I'm buying apartments. I'm looking at things. We're building our property management business. I'm building my residual income. Um, because it's not going to be this good forever. No, no. And, you know, honestly, like I'm not a prognosticator. If I had to guess, I'd say we've got two to three years before the next, you know, significant softening, but, um, it could be next year, you know, rising rate yeah. environments, I mean, some, sure. something politically. Yeah. Political. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, events, you know, world events change things. The funny thing is, John, is I don't really care when it happens because I know, I know I'm prepared for it. You know, it's funny because I started when the market was at a downturn. And I think that was the best thing that happened to me. You know, I, I went into an office where you got no leads, you got nothing. It was just all about the effort you put in. But I was amongst all of the other agents that already existed in real estate. And they're just kind of like waiting for the phone to ring. And yeah. my mentality was I'm chasing, 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 chasing. And, and it, it built very good habits, I guess I should say. And maybe that leads back to, you know, when we talk about the team getting, I don't want to say complacent because these guys work hard. It's not about that. But it's just if this lead comes in, shout out to Tom Ferry. If this lead comes in and it's okay, I'm going to work it a little bit. But if this lead comes in and this one just happens to be red and it's hot, well, then I'm, this one's going to go over here, and I'm going to really focus on this one. And when you do that, you know, 10 times in a week or 30 times in a month, there's a lot of fall off from that. Yeah. And, and that creates, I think, a little bit of a bad habit because when the market does turn, the one thing that will sustain people is follow-up. But yeah. it's a difficult thing to get people to do consistently. Yeah, absolutely. No, I <laughs> – you know, the, uh, the hard stuff, man, the hard stuff is the stuff that's not popular, but it's the stuff that drives results. No shit. You, <laughs> you know, my dad, my dad, my dad said this on the podcast last two weeks ago. He said, what's the one thing Gabe asked him, you know, Gabe, you met Gabe. Yeah, yeah. Gabe asked him, what's the one thing you can attribute success to? And he said, literally period point blank without hesitation, I return every single phone call before my head hits the pillow every single day. That was it. That was it. Not profound. Simple. Simple. It's simple stuff that you do over and over and over and over and over that starts to gain traction. Right. Yeah. And that's, and I think that's, again, that's another one of the difficult things for people coming into the marketplace and newer realtor that, that sees these bright, shiny objects and sees my dumb ass on a billboard and goes, Oh, well that's easy. He's a dork. Right. <laughs> but they don't realize, I call it the finished product syndrome. They don't realize oh. 
10 years that it took to get there, which I don't even want to be on a billboard. I can't stand it. Um, but it's part of the game. Well, but John, here's, here's what else they don't know about you. They don't know that while you may be their definition of success, that you're still not, you haven't arrived. You by no means in your own mind are a finished product. No. You by no means have achieved what you've set out to achieve. Like they, they have no idea the fire that it takes to keep you know, every day to keep pushing. It's never good enough, man. I don't know. You know, it, I mean, I think that's the tough thing. I think at the end of the day, um, it's not about how smart you are. I mean, sure, you gain market knowledge, right? You learn how to negotiate better. You, I mean, hopefully you do if you've been doing it for a while, but you, you, you gain wisdom and knowledge in real estate. But you can have great wisdom and knowledge, and if you're not still willing to work hard, that shit will pass you by so quick. You know, the beautiful thing, I think, and maybe this what this what relates back to sports, is in sports, you're only as good as your last home run, right? I mean, if you just start striking out nonstop, you're gone. And the beauty in real estate, and I actually like this part of real estate, is that you're only as good as you are in the moment. I can't say, well, last year I sold, because last year is gone. It means nothing. But I think people get reliant on that. And, and I think that's a place where athletics helps a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. I 100% agree. Awesome. Let's talk about this dude real quick. I want to give a shout out to Tom because one thing that Tom certainly does, and by the way, do you have a bunch of these laying around? I do. <laughs> I go to I do. all the time. You know, I, I take notes like crazy. I can't even read half the shit that I write in here because my handwriting is so bad. But, you know, when I'm getting ready for a meeting or I'm just kind of pondering my business, I'll sort, sort back through these. And it's interesting, you know, we go and we absorb so much stuff in coaching. And I did not get into coaching to learn how to sell. I was already selling a ton of stuff. I need to, needed to learn how to strengthen the business foundation. Um, and, but in that, you still learn a ton. And it's just yeah. always so fun to be able to go into this and see particular notes that you can now you take one thing out of here instead of, as you're writing down 400 things and you can start to focus on one thing. I mean, here, I just opened this. Uh, what, what percent of the time do I need to spend doing what? Recruiting, training the team, management, m motivating the team, personal production. My personal production was 75% of my time. Well, it's tough to grow your team if you're doing that. So you reflect on that stuff and I think that's cool. Where are you putting your 75%? Oh man. Okay. So let's, let's think about this. How is my time? To, how is my time separated? I would say we're best. What's right? that? We're focused on something. We're best at it. Yeah. So my team gets, I would say at least 50% of my time. Okay. Okay. So you have to understand, you know, I have in essence, I have a lot of businesses. If you want to count each and every endeavor, Right, but I have the, the broke. Only talk about the only profit. profit. <laughs> we like, can get rid of those. Like I have to talk about the horse that wins. We don't talk about the horse that didn't do shit. There you go. There you go. Like uh, today, we had a horse that didn't do shit. Did not do any good today in New York, but we won three in a row prior to that. So what are you going to do? Well, there you go. Um, you know, so so yeah, I spend probably fifty percent of my time on my team. I spend probably um, twenty five percent on the brokerage. I probably spend, um, let's say, 15% on my investments and probably 10% on my property management company. 
Now that's a luxury that I have. The property management company is a much bigger business than 10% of my time, but my, my partners, my brother and my wife both spend a lot of time and we have a substantial staff there. Well, and so, that's more of a, of a few days. I mean, you manage it all the time, but you know, all the rents are due on a certain day. So that helps, yeah. right? How many properties do you manage? Uh, right at 400, right at 400 units. <laughs> that's crazy. That's awesome. Good job. So, yeah, no, I don't uh, people with you on that. We I, I can tell. I can tell. I can tell you were you weren't expecting that number. No, I mean, <laughs> I got we do eight, and we sold all of them, which is probably the only reason we do them. So when you said four, I thought you were going to say forty. That's awesome. No, four hundred. <laughs> it's uh, but no, my, I mean we have right now. I mean, dude, we're, we're we're we've got a great system. We're not making what we want to make on it, but we're scaling the business. We're growing the business. I, I'm staffed to double in size right now. So we'll get there. How do you determine when you're hiring for the team or the brokerage? Are you hiring the same avatar or are you hiring different? I mean, look, I know their production's different, right? But I'm just talking about the person because I always hire based on the person. I don't give a shit about their production. I can teach them how to sell if they'll follow that game plan you talked about. Um, but I just try to hire good people. And sometimes my heart gets in the way and I hire people that don't produce a lot. Um, but, but what is the avatar of the, the difference between the brokerage and between the team? Well, it's pretty simple. You know, I target, I target new to the industry agents for you notice you're, I'm asking all the questions that I need to know. <laughs> but the beauty of that is there's somebody listening that needs to know those things too. Right. So absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's, I think it's awesome that, you know, you could have picked up the phone and we could have had this conversation, but instead we use the platform that you have to educate other people. And that's, I think that's amazing. That's it's giving we, back. That's, that's it. I mean, that's one thing we always talk about is, you know, I could, I could have no one, I could have one agent on a, my team with three staff and make way more money. But how do I, how do I help change the business in a positive manner? And how do I influence and help change somebody else's life in a positive manner. Totally agree. I, I um, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking to do. I, people ask me how big I want our company to get. And I tell them that I really have no, I have no interest in, you know, kind of reducing it to a number. I, I, want, I want this. I want all the right people and none of the wrong ones. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's what I want truly if that's 150 agents if that's 15 agents I don't give a shit like I want all the right ones and none of the wrong ones that's what I want and I hired new to the industry on the team and if that goes to 50 or 5,000 whatever it doesn't I don't care I don't care because I know like you that I could make more money on my team with less agents um, I could make a whole lot more margin on my time if I just sold more and stopped handing out $500,000 listings. Right. Um, you know, I could do that, but you know, there's a quality of life thing. I have young kids. Yep. Um, I don't want the angry phone calls. I don't want to be showing at eight o'clock at night. I don't want to do any of that. Like, so I bring people along that are in better, a better place in their life to do those things. And I give them something in return for them doing the thing that I don't really want to do right now. When you hand off a listing to your someone on your team, what is that split? Uh, it's 50-50. And, and your split on the team across the board is 
Correct. I don't take any more. The only time I take the only time I take more is if it's generated by the ISA. Because you're reimbursing the ISA. Because I'm paying the ISA. So here's the way I see it. Um, I, and you know, I've been told, as you can, I see the wheels turning, right? Well, I do the um, exact same thing you do. Well, I used to do. I tell you what. At one point in time, I had one agent on my team that I gave all of my personal business to. Right. I had one person, and I did a thirty seventy. Okay. Yeah. I gave, I, I took 70 and I gave 30, but I gave them like a lot. A lot. Okay. A it, lot. It was, and, and you gave them a lock, meaning the horse was going to win. Exactly. It was it done. It wasn't a Zillow yeah. It was go show the, go show my personal client five homes and you're going to sell them one. And write, write the contract. And I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Like, and, and, I, and she was, she was very same. good. We did the same thing. But you know what, what ended up happening was I got to a place where the difficult ones, it, okay, so, and this is just normal people stuff, right? There was nothing to do with this person. They forget the easy ones and they focus on the really hard ones. And then they, they end up saying, well, gosh, why am I doing this? I'm only making 30%. Right. And so, so what I, what I decided then, and at that moment, as I said, okay, the arrangement is done. We're not doing this anymore because you're frustrated. Right. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do 50, 50, but now I'm going to be very selective with what I give. Right. And I'm only going to give you what you can handle. And I'm only going to give you when it benefits me and you. And by the way, you're not going to be the only one that gets. Right. Now everyone can get. Right. And so I gave 50-50 and I spread it out. And that person ended up leaving the team. You know, whatever. Maybe I made some mistakes there. Um, but now that I spread the deals around and I have multiple people capable of handling all that business. Um, I just, I just view it like a partnership. They bring something that I'm not prepared to give and I'm bringing something that they don't have. Right. So it's a 50, so it's a 50, 50 partnership. I, I think it makes perfect sense. It just always goes back to people get hung up on that 50, 50 because it's not a typical split, but we're also providing tremendous value that is not typical either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it easier to justify a really good agent staying on my team and, and splitting with the team 50% from their sphere of influence. Sure. So I've got an agent that does 40 to 50 deals a year and they do 20 to 25 from their own sphere of influence, but I give them seven, eight deals a year at probably double their average price point. Right. And they're like, well, they're not going to complain about giving me 50 because I'm giving them 50. The second I try, the second I try to take more on my side, they want more on theirs. Right. Well, and at the end of the day, when you look at, at our agents' growth, you know, the first year, most of their production comes from the leads we provide, which is fine, right? But yeah. as we get like three, year three, four, five, six, it ends up being about a 50-50 split at the end of the year. That's what I want. Right. I mean. I want a 50-50. Yeah, it's 50, and, and for the people listening, what I mean by that is at the end of the year, you look at the numbers, the agent self-produced 50%, and 90% and of that 50% was from leads we gave over the last three years, and then they mm -hmm. still are receiving our 50%, and so, you know, to me, it just makes a lot of sense. You know, I always look at it and go, you know, how do we get a little more to the agent, and, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that unless they just want to go independent, and then you back those numbers out of what we gave them. And I don't know that they yeah. would as an independent agent. No, I agree. I don't think they would, but you know, my answer to that, John, is I've taken, I've been fortunate enough, you know, cause not every top producer is a leader, but I've been fortunate enough that my top producers are also leaders. Right. 
And so what I've done is I've engaged them on leadership opportunities. There you go. And, and so I, I can justify giving them a small share of the team take on the agents they manage, okay, in exchange for eliminating or, or removing some of that, some of that training and, mm-hmm. and coaching responsibility that typically falls on me. Sure. That's a great point. I mean, that's a great way to, to reward them and also resolve a little bit of the, the, the struggle that we have, which is getting pulled in every direction. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about Jay Pitts. Who are you? Um, you know, I'm a dad and a husband first. I'm a leader. Um, I love leading. Uh, I love helping people. You know, I'm a son. I mean, um, my parents, man, my parents have been through, going through some health issues. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a dutiful son, firstborn son. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that's me. And your brother, Zach. simple He's brother, there. Zach. Yeah. He's there with you at the office. He is. Right. Which Absolutely. Is- he is, he's, he, this is funny. You'll like this. So we put up a leaderboard on the, in the office, the whole brokerage. Okay. Right. No matter so, not, just whoever's doing the most transactions. Anybody and everybody, which by the way, five of my team members are in the top 10 of the brokerage. Yeah. So um, I love that by the way. And they're shouting, they're putting pictures on Facebook right. and whole, you know, the ones that are down on the bottom are getting frustrated. You know, it's, it's good. I like it in a good way. It's healthy competition, but, but no, my brother. So I hand out a lot of my business and I don't take any credit for any portion of what my team does. I just put my personal production. Ah. And so his is slightly higher than mine right now. Just his personal stuff, not any, including anything I hand out. Now I crush him if I take any credit for any of the stuff I hand out, but he's been talking a whole lot of trash here lately. (laughs) So little brother, I I told him he's done. I've got about, I've got about 6 million pending right now. So he's, 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 he's in trouble. (laughs) Tell us about the podcast. How can we find you? How can people listen to resource and why should they? What's in it? What, what, what are you really trying to drive home in, in regards to this amazing? And by the way, you know, we're talking about all this stuff. Our industry is amazing. Yes. I mean, our industry gives people life-changing opportunities. You know, we hired a gal. Uh, her name is Jackie. She was a waitress at a local place. She was starting to engage in a lot of our social media posts. And she said, man, I'd love to work in an environment like that. And uh, she went, got her license. She's been a working machine. She was still working a little bit at the restaurant. Um, and the other day at meeting, you know, I, I asked some simple questions and she started crying. Wow. And, uh, she said, because one of the questions I said to everybody, I said, write down, what's one thing I can do for you to make your business better? And I think the truth to the answer was, there isn't anything. It's all already here and now it's up to you to get running. But Jackie started crying. She said, you already have to change my life. And that's the beauty of this business. It can be life-changing, right? I mean, I started Absolutely. And so it can be life-changing. So tell us about the resource podcast and how do we find you and why do we want to find you? Yeah, no, I, so I, I always felt like I had a voice for what's going on in our industry. Right. Um, I have opinions. I've, they joke with me around here because they say I've never, I'm never at a loss for words. Right. Um, so I had this idea that through all the great people we've met, I had some access to, people like yourself and Dustin Oldfather and Tom Ferry and those people, people, brilliant people from all over the country. And I thought, you know, and I had opinions of my own that I wanted to share about the things going on in our industry, not just what happens here in Louisville, Kentucky, but regionally and nationally, you know, what, what's going on with the brokerage model 
you know, we talked about that a minute ago. What, you know, what, what's happening in the space, big advertisers, big tech, you know, the national economy, things like that. So, um, you know, I kind of, I was, I was sharing all this information in our meetings and our trainings here. And it kind of felt like I was speaking to the masses and, and one of my agents came to me and they were like, you know, you really ought to consider doing a podcast. Like, and yeah, exactly. So we kicked, we kicked the idea around a little bit and Gabe and I, uh, decided to create resource, which resource is the subtitle is real talk about real estate. It's pretty raw. Um, it's like just unfiltered opinions about what's going on in real estate. Um, touch on investments. We touch on, you know, industry kind of happenings and trends and things like that. And really it's just like people like yourself or like that we have access to giving really raw and unfiltered opinions about what's happening in the world of real estate. Um, we talk a lot about marketing, a lot about cutting edge stuff. I always feel like when I'm on someone's podcast, I'm much more raw than when it's my podcast. And I don't know why. Like, that, yeah. You know, I think that's, I think there's something to that. Rather than, because if I'm on your shit, I'll be just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, dude, your episode was amazing. Your episode of resource. I, I would certainly encourage your audience to check that out. Um, it was, it was at a very interesting time where you were going yeah. through, some things and it just happened. And I think you were very real and raw and right in complete sync with what the show's about. And, you know, it, it's, um, it, I think it spoke to our audience and, you know, I hope what we've done here today is meaningful to yours. I mean, you can find us, man, anywhere you we're on Apple iTunes, you know, the podcast app, we're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, resourcepodcast.net. And it's just like it sounds. Um, you know, and I may or may not, I'll tease this, I may be coming out with a second show here. So. Uh-oh, uh-oh. We've got some things going on right here. So I like it. I like it. That's, uh, that, that's not really, no, not public yet. But Well, and we've been very focused on just kind of the business mindset. You know, the Thoroughbred podcast came from not just my love for Thoroughbreds, but the, the second meaning of a Thoroughbred is an elite business person. And so yeah. it started with some people near and dear to me that ran big businesses. It didn't have to be real estate um, because I think that we all share some of the same qualities, which is you've got to be you know, diligent in your work ethic. You've got to be a leader. You've got to serve with your heart, I think, first and foremost. Uh, but now we're getting really focused on real estate. And uh, so definitely check out jpits at uh, resourcepodcast.net. Did I do that right? Resourcepodcast.net. Net. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the Thoroughbred Podcast. You can check us out wherever the hell you find podcasts. I don't know. Chris will tell you. He'll post a link. But uh, more than anything, from me to you, I love you, brother. Thank you uh, for just joining me. And, you know, I think a lot of great stuff to come for us in our friendship because I'm going to get you by in on a horse. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate you having me, man. Sincerely. Really I love you, brother. Have a blessed day. Thanks, man. See you.